Hello and welcome to this interview special episode of Tech EU podcast. I am your host, Andrew Degeler. In today's episode, I wanted to play you an interview that Robin Wouters, our editor, recorded with Annika Schoberg and Bo Ilso of the Finland-born VC firm NGP Capital. The conversation focuses on the report that the firm has just published that shows the rather depressing state of gender parity in the VC ecosystem. I would encourage you to listen to the interview first and then go ahead and check out the report itself and I'll leave a link in the show notes. Now, let's get to the conversation. Hey, this is Robin Waters from Tech.eu and I'm joined here remotely, of course, not by one, but two people, Bo and Annika from a venture firm called NGP Capital. Uh, welcome to the both of you, Bo, and maybe we'll start with you. Uh, just very briefly, give us a bit of an introduction on who you are and what NGP Capital is and does. Thank you, Robin, for having us on, on your show here. NGP Capital is a venture firm. We invest in typically growth stage companies, so companies that have a product market fit and is raising anywhere between 10 and $50 million. Typically, these deals are syndicated. We have been active since 2005. We have made about 100. We have invested in about 100 companies. We have one large backer, which is Nokia, and we are investing from our fourth fund, we invest in Europe, in the US, and in China. And typically, our investments are balanced between these three markets. And over the years, it has been roughly a similar amount we have invested in each of these markets. Great. Annika, also to you, uh, welcome uh, to the show. Do you have anything to add to what Bo said, or did you do a good enough job there? Yeah, no, thank, thanks for having us, Robin. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm Annika. I run Plot Communications globally. Bo is sort of the partner lead here for Europe and we're both in the ESG team and have been looking very much at ESG issues and also gender gender diversity recently. And so we're super excited to be here and, and share our latest findings with you. Yep. And actually, uh, that brings you to the reason that we're having this conversation in the first place. Uh, you very recently uh, released a new report. It's called The Outsized Role of Gender in European Venture Funding. And that's always, of course, a very contentious uh, topic. Uh, we all know the, the numbers are quite abysmal. Uh, they are across the world, not just in Europe. The situation in Europe is not much different when it comes to you know venture money uh, flowing to women entrepreneurs. Maybe just as a summary, what type of research was done and based on uh, which data sources uh, did you uh, did you base the study so i can i can kick that off maybe and uh, the source of this study has come from our ai platform that we have uh, named q after a famous james bond character it has about a database of about close to a million companies and uh, that data is augmented then with a variety of other data sources let's say web traffic as a simple one that is meshed together and that then helps us manage our deal flow surface companies we otherwise maybe would not be aware of and then it also allows us to do research across geographies sectors etc cetera, etc cetera. and in the case of of our new report here we decided to focus on on the gender inequality in venture capital and put maybe some new numbers forward again to help propel forward the conversation about getting more female founders into starting companies as well. Annika? Yeah, so what, what we have investigated here is the role that gender plays in a startup's ability to raise venture capital in Europe across industries and depending on founder background factors. So how you know, educational level plays a role or prior work experience from 
technology and economics, uh, as well as prior startup experience, so whether it's a serial entrepreneur or not, and how then that all affects the ability to raise funding from a gender perspective. And then I think what else is new here is just the sheer scale of this research in Europe. So the sample size is huge. We looked at more than 21,000 companies, out of which more than 9,000 had raised venture capital funding up until Series A over the past five years. Great. So well, let's uh, talk about uh, the main numbers first. Like how many venture capital dollars or euros in this case are actually flowing to uh, to women entrepreneurs? And, and maybe just also specify the timing for the data set. Yeah. So the timing was the it flows from 2014 to 2019. So it's the past the five years pre-COVID uh, in a normal what the, the market has looked like basically under normal circumstances over the past five years. We've actually decided to focus less on the absolute numbers that go into female founders and rather look at it on relative terms because there has been so much prior research by groups like unconventional VC or diversity VC and these other groups that have shown that it's the very minuscule amount of money out of the total pool of venture capital available that goes behind female entrepreneurs. I saw a study about the Nordics by unconventional that said that only 1% goes to female-only founding teams. So we wanted to find out whether this is true also on a relative scale, because there's been this argument that maybe this is because women start fewer companies than men do. And that's also partly true. But when we sort of looked at all of the companies started by women, we discovered that 30% of them raise venture capital financing. And then we compared that to all of the startups founded by men and discovered that 43% were able to raise VC money. So there is a big difference on a relative scale as well, not only on an absolute scale. Maybe as a question, when, when you say venture capital, does that include any stage, uh, also accelerator seed funds, um, angel investors, whatnot, crowdfunding, etc.? Or is it uh, limited to venture capital only? It's limited to venture capital only looking at seed and series A. That was the limitation of the study because that's seen as critical rounds to raise before you can actually really grow and scale and, and raise further funding. That's absolutely fair enough. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up even without me noticing because um, this is something whenever we release these studies and I think Atomico did some research unconventional as you mentioned for the CE region uh, and they all come out at around the same number, 6 to 8% going to mixed teams, uh, only 1% of venture capital going to female uh, only teams, right? So but then when we release these studies and we talk about them even on, on things like Clubhouse and Twitter, almost always the first reaction is, but yes, that's because women don't start as many companies as men. But now this study is actually showcasing that this is true, but it's only part of the reason why, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think the other argument there is that, okay, so maybe the less of the whole pool of VC money goes behind women because women start companies in sectors that are not attractive to venture capital investors. So that's why we also looked at the differences between industries. And we found that there's actually some variance there. But one of the absolutely most interesting findings of this study, I think, is the comparison on fundraising ability between women and men, depending on founder background factors. So we looked at whether the founder had a university degree, a background in technology or economics, and whether it's a serial entrepreneur with prior startup experience and found that 
the female gender alone, you know, all of the other background factors being equal, the female gender alone reduces the probability of being allocated VC money by 17%. But then what's also a bit interesting here is that when we look at all of the categories, mixed gender teams, they outperform male only and female only in all categories combined. So that's in all categories analyzed. So that's really interesting. And it's a great proof point for diversity, I think. And when we say, yeah, when we say outperform, it means that they are more likely to get past this sort of series A round of financing, right? So that's sort of when Annika refers to outperforming. Yeah, mm. this is this also came up in the the study that you mentioned from unconventional ventures and Xperia VC, where they said women outperform men by as much as ninety six percent in the CE region. So, so there's a great disconnect, I think, between you know the venture dollars that are actually going to women and the what they actually do with that money, right? So they they typically, especially mixed teams, I think I think you showed in the study that you know, they also have the highest likelihood of success. Success meaning in this case is just going beyond the Series A uh, when they raise venture capital. So, so I think that's that's a pretty interesting observation on its own, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, going back to what you said about sectors, is there anything that stood out for you in terms of uh, which industries in particular, you know, don't get a lot of uh, venture capital flowing to women? Yeah, there's a, a heat map, figure three in the report, if you download it later, um, that shows that we looked at 15 different sectors, and these are huge, massive sectors from, you know, fintech to travel and transport and cyber and everything. So across all of them, women tend to be underrepresented when it comes to funding, except for one category, which is gaming. I don't know why women are more successful in raising capital for their gaming startups. And then health tech kind of came out as a as a neutral. So so mixed teams are overrepresented and they're more successful in raising venture capital in all of the industries, all 15 different categories. And only women teams are consistently underrepresented except for in gaming. So those things stood out to me in this analysis. And Robin, to your question, the largest underrepresentation was in fintech, in cybersecurity, and in travel. Yeah. Those were the three with, with the fewest female founders. Yeah, which are also categories that are, are happy to be growing quite pretty fast across Europe. So that's, uh, that's really a shame to see. Um, now, what can we do about this? How can we make the venture capital industry more, more inclusive? I know this is only research, so you're not uh, supposed to have all the answers, uh, but maybe you have some uh, thoughts on your own when you were looking at this data. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting because I think while there are certain things that women can do to raise more money, the structural problems can't be influenced really by the entrepreneur themselves. And we shouldn't really try to sort of fix the women or or fix the entrepreneur. But but it has been studied that women are a little bit more risk averse than men, which leads to women being a little bit maybe more cautious, especially in pitching situations where men tend to present more fearless statements and maybe, you know, more confidently aim at, at maximization of funding. At the same time, as you know, other studies also say that women are a little bit maybe more realistic and modest with their forecasts and tend to ask for less capital, which is a problem because it's been proven that founders that get asked promotional questions in pitching situations raise on average seven times the amount of capital. So it's really important, I think, to have a very open discussion about these differences because 
that's the best way to just raise awareness and acknowledge this so that it can be addressed. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's my mindset and general personality traits for sure. It's also supply yeah. thing, I guess, you know, more women in STEM, more um, technologists and econ economists starting companies uh, out of those industries. But I think it's also a bit of a sort of a, a supply problem from the other side. And that, that's, that's the fact that the venture industry in itself is not super diverse, uh, which, you know, there's also been studies about that. Uh, Bo, do you have any answers or any any thoughts on that subject on the, on the venture uh, side of it? things yeah no look i uh, robin i i we have sort of discussed a lot of factors internally and and we continue to sort of want to deepen those conversations if we look at europe the venture industry is by and large 20 years old right there was a beginning just before the dot-com crash and then it was sort of more or less wiped out and then it restarted right so it's not it's not a very young, uh, old industry in europe and, and coming then to these factors of it has traditionally been people from STEM and to a certain extent also from finance. Finance tend to have, I think, a, a high degree of, of female participants. And then it's a question of uh, opening up the dialogue, right? I mean, uh, we as NGP are a bit an odd, not odd, but we have been sort of, we, we call ourselves diverse by design, right? I mean, you know, you look at our group and, and you have gender and race and religion. And I mean, it's a very mixed group of people in our investment team, as we have teams in, in China, on the US West Coast and here in Europe. So we have from the beginning been quite diverse and we haven't sort of really thought about it. That's just how we, we set ourselves up. But typically, it is also people who know each other from the same city, maybe with a sort of a similar background. Uh, I'm sure you have seen the studies uh, in particular from the U.S. about how many entrepreneurs and VCs have gone to the famous schools. And, you know, so so that's, you know, to a certain extent the same in Europe, right, that people have started out maybe together. They knew each other and, and, and that has maybe uh, created from the outset a lot of diversity, then building a venture firm is a long journey, right? Building a company is a long journey, but so is building a venture firm. So a young industry, but I think that that we are sort of, by opening up now the conversations, right, we are we're starting to make moves, but we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, Annika and I have been spending a lot of time on ESG, as as you know, the directives are coming into force in Europe. That also is something we believe will help change the the role of of gender. But we have we have still have a lot to do. I don't think there's a single reason, right? But if you, again you look at Europe, Europe has over the last ten years you have about seven and a half times more money that has flown into venture, right? So there has been a great uh, growth in in the availability of capital. You also see now a lot more people starting new funds, and you also see funds, frankly, with quite uh, specialized strategies that that then themselves may lend itself better to to uh, to also supporting uh, gender diverse teams. But mm -hmm. it's a it's still a young industry in in many ways. Yeah, but I, I agree with the notion that more women in VEC would lead to more funding for women entrepreneurs because people tend to associate with people that are demographically similar. So more women investors could contribute to more 
positive perceptions and sort of strengthen trust towards women entrepreneurs. And, you know, I think the current lack of role models for women within the venture capital within venture capital at large makes it even harder for for women to aspire to and succeed in venture capital, which puts them in a disadvantaged position. Yeah, it's very hard not not to disagree with that. And I think if you even go a step beyond that, uh, the LP industry, of course, is also quite male dominated. So it's it's already very, very difficult as a venture capital fund uh, to sort of bring diversity. But then if you take a step up, you know, the pension funds and university endowments and whatnot, of course, yeah. it's also quite male dominated. So as Bo mentioned, I mean, there there is change coming, but it will take time. Of course, this doesn't happen overnight. Um, yeah. Speaking of time, you you very correctly pointed out that the data set that you looked at spans uh, five full years, but of course, the data uh, set stopped right before the coronavirus pandemic sort of hit the globe, um, and we're still in the middle of the pandemic. But if you would look at the numbers now for 2020, which I'm I'm, I'm hoping you will at some point, but do you think there will be change? And if you would see change, uh, would it be positive? I think this crisis has disproportionately affected women. And we've seen that other research group like MSCI Research, they just published their report on the increase of women on public boards, which has decreased during the pandemic. So in 2019, the increase was 2.9%. In 2020, it was 0.6. So there's still progress, but it's a material slowdown. Crunchbase has also published some figures for the VC industry that that sort of points the same direction, that uh, less capital has gone behind female entrepreneurs in 2020. But we let's hope this is just a glitch. And I truly believe that it will be in the long run, that this will be an exceptional, exceptional time in this regard, but that we will catch up quite soon. Yeah, thanks for the positive note because I was already getting a little bit depressed <laughs> uh, just by hearing the numbers. But it's very difficult not to get depressed if you if you care about diversity and inclusion to look at those numbers because yeah. anywhere you look, you see the same same pattern, which is not not stagnation, but actually sometimes going backwards, which is is really yeah. a shame. Robin, I, I I wanted to come back to the SFDR regulation in Europe, right? I, I uh, you know there can be a lot of views about uh, regulation and the impact. I, what I like about it is that it has a very deliberate uh, initiative also to drive diversity and inclusion. And from an investor point of view, also drive that conversation on the boards with co-investors and entrepreneurs, right? I mean, we tend to focus on maybe a CEO or a founder, but obviously uh, uh, our companies also hire a lot of people and also starting to have uh, a, a let's say, more focus on bringing on more senior female executives to these companies, I think will will bring a lot of good. It will take time, but I think it will bring a lot of good. We see the problem when we try to recruit female board members. It is just a very small pool. The The reason is, again, of course, that that board members have been recruited through the ranks. And so, again, we need also to think about the, the sort of management both the CX level, but also the level below of making sure that that enough women are, are being promoted, enough women are being recruited. Because at the end of the day, we're human beings and humans often tend to recruit people like themselves, right? That's as Annika is, is always talking about our biases, right? And, and uh, that's just one human behavior. And if we don't force these discussions, then we are not getting the change. So I... I 
I personally believe that 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 will help start driving also those conversations on the boards and and bringing more female leaders up through the ranks in in the companies that we have invested in. Yeah, very important to to have that kind of conversation continuously indeed, but also very good to have actual data to put to the to the table because uh, you know if you don't do research, then what are you going to benchmark yourself against? So kudos to you guys for actually doing the research based on on the the company data set from from Q. What more are you going to research in the future? Is uh, the next question. Like, what well, what else do you want to look at now that you have this this magnificent <laughs> uh, data set for the last few years? Yeah, we've been zooming in a lot in Europe and we've looked at funding across also the city by city comparison and how COVID has affected that. Not from a gender perspective yet, though, but yeah, I, I think there's a variety of things that we'll look at. And we also look at various sector specific things. And and we'll definitely pick you up on the COVID research as well, right? So we'll, we'll definitely take a, a look at 2020 and benchmark that against maybe the the average from the prior five years to to see what what does it look like right and yep, and let, let's hope see. let's hope that there are some bright lights that it's it's uh not maybe all gloom but uh, we, uh, we we shouldn't judge the numbers before we have them uh in yep. our hands so we can make a, a proper conclusion Absolutely. But also, again, like a shout out to you guys also for including backgrounds and sector, because that's something I hadn't seen before in any type of research. So hopefully we can also drive other researchers when they look at this type of data to include that kind of, you know, uh, sort of aspects, because it's very important to to know the differences there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, of course, I'm going to link to the report in the show notes when we release this this podcast interview. Uh, Do you have any closing thoughts for the listeners in the meantime? Well, I do want to say one thing because, you know, it is, like you say, kind of doom and gloom when it comes to diversity. But I saw this really lovely clip by Yuval Harari on Women's Day, you know, the historian who put all of this in a historical perspective. And it's actually throughout human history, regardless of religion or geography or culture or political system, the subjugation of women has been constant. Uh, So, you know, the patriarchal system has really been so omnipresent to a degree where people have just thought of it as something very natural and eternal and there's nothing we can do. But then in a relatively short amount of time, historically, meaning over just the last century or so, the women's movement came along and they have really achieved a tremendous amount of progress to address economic and political inequality. And I think, you know, we're still just on that wave. And I really hope that this will only accelerate going forward. And I truly believe that it will, because there's been so much achieved in just this short amount of time. But obviously, there's a lot of work to do. But but just keeping this historical context in mind, I think, is a good reminder that, of course, this does take time, but it's achievable in a very, you know, peaceful way. Yeah. Well, thank you for zooming out and seeing the big picture and ending on a positive note. That's always good, really good uh, to hear. Uh, Annika, Bo, thank you so much for taking the time. I will link to the research, of course, in the show notes so everyone can take a look for themselves. But thank you for discussing the numbers here with me. Thanks, Robin. Thanks so much for having us. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, do follow us today wherever you listen to your podcast. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are always very welcome. Please send them to podcast at tech.eu. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Find us wherever it suits you. 
This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andrew Daigler, and I will talk to you again later this week. For now, take care and goodbye.